This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's 12.03, middle of the week Wednesday in the middle of the day. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. The time-tested Dow theory has turned bearish. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the adversity in Ukraine has major implications for the global economy. Let's examine some of them with Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com based in Chicago. Andy, thanks for joining us today. Uh, the first round of sanctions on Russia was announced yesterday by President Biden and other uh, Western democracies uh, followed suit in sanctioning Russian banks and are moving in on some of their oligarchs and some of their holdings. But this, uh, the, the economic fallout from a long and protracted uh, uh, conflict in Ukraine, even though it doesn't involve the United States directly, will involve the American consumer. And what are some of the ways that uh, the, the tensions in Ukraine can affect us over here? Well, the first thing you look at is gasoline prices. And those are just, you know, they're up 30 3% from a year ago. That's the first and most important thing to take a look at because Russia supplies the world with a lot of oil. They certainly supply um, West Germany, or I'm sorry, West Germany, Germany with uh, a lot of natural gas. So natural gas prices have soared in Europe as well. Uh, and, you know, I, I think for con U.S. consumers, uh, this is something that we were watching very closely to see if Russia actually does more than what they've already done, which is kind of move troops into an area that, to some extent, Russia controlled already. If they decide to move on Kiev, that's a different story, and that'll bring different sanctions. The thing that worries me is what just happened uh, to the Ukrainian banks and government websites, which is uh, pretty clear that Russia unleashed a cyber attack on them. What worries me about that, Rob, is uh, something called Stutznet. That occurred back uh, when the Israelis let it loose on the Iranians uh, to slow down their nuclear program, and that went global. Uh, that virus did. And so that's what I'm worried about when it comes to the Ukraine banks and what Russia is doing from a cyber standpoint. That could bleed out into the rest of the world and cause havoc. Now, this is not the first time that uh, Russia under Vladimir Putin has uh, expanded its territorial ambitions. We saw this uh, in the in the actions in Ch Chechnya nearly 20 years ago, uh, Georgia in the Caucasus uh, in 2008, uh, and in the, uh, the Crimea in 2014. The U.S. did respond with sanctions, and in some cases crippling sanctions in many of those cases, and it did roil the world petroleum market. How did that affect? affect things here back then, whether it's 15 years ago or, or eight years ago? And how, how, in some ways, is this different? Yeah, I think, um, I guess it's a question of um, when it 
it's always about energy when it comes to Russia. So that's the starting point, ending point, everything. Um, the amount of, of uh, energy that they supply to Western Europe, I think that's kind of the key component here. Um, as Western Europe and or Europe overall, EU has moved towards more um, green energy. They, Germany is a great example of it. They shut down all their coal plants, and, they, and this year they just finished shutting down their nuclear power plants, which means they're heavily dependent upon importing natural gas. So um, France doesn't quite have the same problem. They have a lot of nuclear power plants that supply about 75% of the electricity. But that's one of the biggest changes that we've seen from back uh, when Crimea was taken from the Ukraine by Russia uh, to today. And, and I think that's the thing. It puts uh, Europe in a very different place when it comes to energy, and it, and it may upset their economic recovery from COVID. And, of course, a lot of U.S. companies sell into Europe, and so that would hurt the United States as well because of that. Thanks for joining us, and thank you for your perspective. Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission at EconomistAndrewBush.com, based in Chicago. Coming up, an update on the markets through the lens of the Dow Theory. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Dow Theory is a form of technical analysis that includes aspects of sector rotation, and it just turned bearish. Joining us to discuss the move and what's next is Chuck Carlson, the CEO of Horizon Investments services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. It is uh, officially a bear market. We crossed that threshold on uh, Tuesday morning. It almost uh, it almost happened on Friday afternoon, but the Dow proved to be rather resilient last week. But uh, that changed as the international uh, situation changed after the long weekend on Tuesday morning. It did. We were looking at that December 1st low in the Dow Industrials of 34,022.04. And the Dow Jones Transportation Average, which you need to have both of those averages in sync and moving in, in a direction to confirm a trend, that had gone to a significant low in January. But the, the, the industrials had kind of staved off those lows, as you mentioned, not just on Friday, but really the, the last three weeks. Uh, but it kind of gave up the ghost yesterday and, and closed below that thus creating a bearish signal under the Dow theory. Um, now, the, the Dow theory doesn't tell you the, the length or depth of bear markets. It merely tells you that the market's primary trend, i.e. the trend that typically lasts anywhere from eight, eight months to longer, is bearish. Uh, the good news has been that recent bear markets, although they have been pretty violent, have been pretty short-lived relative to historical standards. So that time compression hopefully will will kick in this time around as well. But right now the the, the market is it's pretty heavy and uh, it's probably going to be moving to the downside here, at least in the near term. What uh, should you as an investor do when you hear bear market and we don't know when that trend is going to reverse? Do you see this as an opportunity to uh, sell and seek shelter or is this a chance to buy? Yeah, it, well, it, it's both, and I know that sounds contradictory, but, but the fact of the matter is long-term investors really make their wealth in bear markets because that's when you can get quality merchandise that does pull back along with everything else. So, you know, what we suggest is that, you know, go through your portfolio, trim your more speculative investments, uh, the ones that you're not sure how they got in there in the first place, and we all have those in a portfolio, you know, get rid of them, raise some cash, 
and that cash will help cushion the blow a little bit, but more importantly, it'll give you fodder to go out and upgrade your portfolio as quality stocks pull back. So, you know, we, we, we're working under, you know, if somebody is fully invested or near fully invested, that's their typical investment allocation, near fully invested in stocks. You may want to back that off, say, 15 to 20%, raise some cash, uh, be patient, and, and take advantage of these uh, pullbacks. Uh, that are inevitable here over probably the next six months. Well, thank you for the insight. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecasts newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Coming up next, mapping out an estate plan that includes your pets. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The fate of pets in divorce or the event of death is becoming a more discussed issue. We welcome in Bill Ulaveri, who is the owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview, Illinois, the website SenecalCapital.com. Bill, thank you for joining us today. This is one of those legal issues that people don't really think about or make kind of a cursory plan to address and then your survivors or your ex-spouse discovers that this is actually a very complicated issue. So what are some of the uh, issues that come up when it comes to the, uh, the, the, the person who would take care of a pet in the event of death or the disillusionment of a marriage? Yeah, Rob, I almost can't believe we're having this conversation. We've come such a long way since I was first introduced to estate planning for pets, which was like in the 1970s. And that's when Ralph Cramden from the Honeymooners was the beneficiary to a fortune. And the fortune ended up to be a bird and not any money. And so I've noticed that my own clients, they they take this way more serious than like me, Baby Boomer did, that millennials are really doing a massive amount of estate planning. 71% of a recent study of 22,850 millennials, ages say 25 to 44, almost 25 to 50, they all had... Um, their wishes known in a will. They had estate planning uh, guidance and creation already done. They've named an average of seven people in their will. Two of them care for their pets. Um, they've established, and these are, this is not just wealthy millennials. These are, you know, I would call them mass affluent with assets less than $500,000. And I'm telling you, with this new work from home pandemic policies, more and more millennials have adopted pets and it's expensive. So finding the right person is the easiest part of the equation. The hard part is figuring out how you're going to fund the expense and the cost of taking care of a dog. The dog has to be chipped. It's 50 bucks a month for uh, health insurance. It's $300 a week in the West Loop of Chicago to get your dog walked twice a day. It's $110 for a four-hour spa treatment when you get your dog bathed and washed and trimmed and the nails taken care of. There's a service that permits you to uh, find your pet in case it's lost because millions of animals go lost uh, in the course of a year. And there's like these uh, RFID or GPS chips inside the animal. There's medical expenses, telemedicine for pets. So I think really what, what you need to do as in traditional and regular estate planning is you've got to have a conversation and you should be sitting down talking to an attorney and with your loved one whether it's a, your you know, husband, wife, or a partner, like what happens to the dog or cat in the event of a divorce, a breakup, or a death? Like, this is really serious, and, and I, I made light of it in the beginning because that's the generation I grew up with, but it's, it's a very serious business, and there's billions and billions and billions of dollars annually spent 
on pet care and the topics we're discussing right now. Well, it, it also goes to show you that uh, the, the the millennial generation clearly listened to the news over the last 20 years because there's always been discussions, whether it's a controversial right-to-die case or uh, Prince dying without a will, and uh, there are all mm-hmm. sorts of people coming out of the woodwork claiming a piece of his fortune, uh, that all of this could have been settled uh, had you sat down and with an attorney and worked out a will ahead of time. So clearly this these these various uh, national news stories uh, were absorbed by the uh, millennial generation and uh, they actually did go out and get that estate planning attorney and did write that will. Right, right. And I think also Rob we have to we have to keep in mind that more people actually want to be buried or have their pets remains cremated or buried along with them. So now we have the whole new conversation that has to do with getting a cremation urn and finding a plot and you want to have your pet buried next to you. And I mean, it's, it's, it's every bit like a family member and more. And, and it's really an interesting dynamic in the insurance industry and healthcare industry and pet industry is really monetizing this new relationship, or maybe I shouldn't say new, but it's definitely a, an escalated relationship with animals. Because again, Rob, when I grew up, animals were just animals, and we didn't we didn't think of them the way today's generation does. And and I think I mean I've got two small dogs, and I think that this is a conversation we need to have with our family members because we've taken it for granted for the last ten or twelve years. Well, thanks for joining us, Bill Ulaveri of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview. Still ahead, Personal Finance Wednesday, we discuss exchange traded funds, what they are, and how to use them. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. European leaders discuss possible strategies as Russia makes more moves towards Ukraine. A special report coming up from CBS News. In Personal Finance Wednesday, we get a primer on exchange traded funds and also on the financial front ways to get teenagers interested in money and investing. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 200. Three points. The Nasdaq is down 175. The S&P 500 is down 38. AccuWeather says times of sun and clouds today. Brisk and very cold. A high of just 23. The wind chills in the single digits and low teens. It's 1231. CBS News special report. A U.S. defense official says Russian forces around Ukraine are as ready as they can be with 80 percent in forward positions and ready to go. The United Nations General Assembly is in session to address the crisis created by Russia's military threatening Ukraine. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres. We need de-escalation now. I urge all to refrain from actions and statements that would take this dangerous situation over the brink. Ukraine Foreign Minister Dmitry Kolebrev says a member of the United Nations Security Council should not be able to get away with what Russia is doing. We remain committed to political and diplomatic settlement. And together with our partners, we maximize efforts to reduce tensions. Correspondent Charlie Daggett is in Kiev, Ukraine. The government ordered the evacuation of all staff at the embassy here in the capital. And there are reports employees destroyed documents as they headed for the exits. CBS News special report. I'm Matt Piper. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red today. We're joined by Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer with Crescent Capital based in Chicago. Jack, thanks for joining us today. It, there's, it, this seems like the, the markets are at a point of maximum stress as far as uh, uncertainty is concerned. You have the uncertainty over interest rates, and now you have the uncertainty of what the Ukraine crisis means for the overall worldwide economy. Uh, uh, at what point does uh, do the markets find equilibrium or at least uh, comfort with this new normal? Yeah, I think it's uh, you're right. There's quite a bit of uncertainty out there, and of course, uncertainty equals risk. Um, it, it's a uh, difficult to tell, Rob. Um, yeah, I don't see an equity market that's finding its footing very easily. Um, right now, the best performing stocks in the S&P happen to be uh, alcohol and gambling stocks. So um, you can infer whatever you want from that. Uh, with the, uh, the Dow down to 250, we were up earlier today. I think we're just trying to take our cues from these news headlines. But even then, um, you know, it's very difficult to draw a direct trend line from Ukraine back to the S&P 500. It's, it's, it's an interesting time to have these conversations because if if you went back to say December or early January and said uh, we're in 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 late February possibly early March we're going to talk about uh, Omicron f- cases 
falling rapidly so much that big states are going to consider getting rid of their uh, their mask and, and, and proof of vaccine mandates. It would look like that the country had turned that elusive corner when it comes to COVID-19, but the virus is now on the far back burner as we talk about inflation and as we talk about uh, the crisis in Ukraine. So does that mean as far as being a market mover is concerned, COVID-19 is literally yesterday's news? It really is. In fact, on the flip side, the worst performing stock of the S&P 500 today, down almost 6%, is Moderna. So uh, that would suggest perhaps investors uh, are willing to close the chapter on COVID, at least for now, and focus instead on the six or potentially seven rate hikes uh, that are scheduled just for this year alone. Um, So certainly tighter financial conditions, uh, growth uh, that we haven't seen, economic growth we haven't seen in 40 years, inflation we haven't seen in 40 years, and which way does that go? Now, when it comes to uh, to the uncertainty over interest rates, uh, when the Fed does meet in just a couple of weeks uh, next month, um, just getting an idea of what the first two rate hikes would look like, uh, would that inject a little bit of certainty into the picture and uh, and make the future a little less murky? I think so. You know, there's you know two schools of thought. One um, coalescing around a quarter point increase in March. Another growing uh, contingency, uh, contingent, I should say, um, coalescing around a half point increase in March. My sense is, um, you know, the market would probably prefer the half point uh, just to get a little more, uh, you know, certainty out there, knowing that, okay, we've now taken a rate hike in the future and brought it forward. Uh, perhaps that that could uh, give uh, uh, investors a little more clarity. But, you know, my main concern, and this is something we saw last week, is that lenders now are starting to require a higher premium to extend credit to lower quality borrowers. So now the whole notion of potentially a recession uh, on the horizon is starting to crop up, something that we haven't talked about. Uh, the Fed certainly it doesn't have on their radar screen, uh, but we're starting to see it in the credit markets, and that is a concern. Well, thanks for joining us. Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer, Crescent Capital, based in Chicago. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, what you need to know before investing in exchange-traded funds. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. An exchange-traded fund, or ETF, is a type of investment security that operates much like a mutual fund. Let's learn more from Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal. Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. An ETF is like a mutual fund, but there are some ways in which it's different. What are some of those differences? Well, there are lots of ways in the background that probably are not of interest right now to, to discuss of how they're constructed. But basically, you're absolutely right that in, for all intents and purposes, they're just like a mutual fund. You buy a mutual fund or an ETF in order to get exposure to a whole basket of stocks, and you can do it with one transaction. The most crucial distinction from the point of view of the individual investor is that with an exchange-traded fund, you can buy or sell at any time during the day. Whereas with most mutual funds, in fact, almost all mutual funds, you can only transact at the close. So it turns out that that's perhaps uh, the the biggest uh, uh, biggest difference. It turns out that people can sit at their computer at any time during the day and 
opposed as opposed to the old days where you'd have to say, okay, well, I want to get out of the close, and you have to decide whether to do that. With an exchange-traded fund, with a click of a button, at any point during the day, you can get in or out of a whole basket of stocks with one transaction. This seems like an opportunity, then, for people who may be listening to the show, and we talk about uh, all of this volatility in the oil markets, the energy markets, uh, and various other commodities markets because of uh, the the ongoing international crises. Um, you could say to yourself, well, this could be a very good opportunity to uh, profit off of what is happening uh, and also uh, limit your risk at the same time. You're absolutely right. The opportunity and the potential is huge. So not only do these mutual funds allow you to, these exchange-traded funds allow you to get in or out at any time during the day with one transaction, a number of these exchange-traded funds have been constructed so that by buying them, you actually are betting against the direction of the market. So in addition to being able to bet that the stock market will go up, there's an exchange-traded fund, of course, for that. There's another one that says, I want to bet that the stock market is going down, and by one transaction, you can bet with it. So it, And you can do the same with gold and oil and other commodities and bonds, you name it. There are all kinds of exchange-traded funds that allow you to take almost any bet that you can possibly imagine. You go back 10 or 20 years or further, the only people who were allowed to make those kind of bets really were futures traders and sophisticated institutional investors and hedge funds. So basically, it's democratized the uh, the marketplace, allows you or I to, uh, to make those kind of transactions. What was the aha moment uh, for the exchange-traded fund uh, that, that allowed people to, uh, the, the average investor, to get into this space? Well, it, it, well, that really goes to some of the logistical and methodological details of how these things are constructed. And it gets very complicated, and I suspect it's probably, uh, you know, put all your uh, listeners to sleep. So I won't go, I won't go down that, uh, that, uh, that, that avenue. But I will say that there is a downside for all this potential. I mean, there's huge potential. It allows you to do almost anything you want to do. On the other hand, by allowing you to do it and to do it at any given time during the day, it actually uh, encourages people to take on more trading activity than is probably uh, wise. And so, in fact, there's a lot of research suggesting it's sort of like handing a loaded gun to a child in the playground. It's, you know, it's not going to end well. And in almost all cases, not all, but in the majority of cases, individual investors probably overtrade when given the opportunity, where even... When you only could trade once a day, that was sufficient enough discipline to avoid having this sort of impulsive reaction to the markets that uh, that you ended up doing better with a mutual fund rather than exchange-traded fund, interestingly enough. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday and still to come, helping teenagers get into investing. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Money and investing may not be at the top of your teenager's to-do list, but there are ways to generate interest in the subject. We're joined by Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group based in Inverness in Downers Grove. Craig, thanks for joining us today. How does one generate interest in generating interest if, if, in, in, with your 17-year-old? Well, I got to think I'm qualified because, Rob, we've talked before. I got two boys in college, age 19 and 20, and they have budgets that only seem to go for three weeks, yet they have four weeks of bills. So how do I create interest? <laughs> the way we create interest is to start by creating some excitement, not talking about what not to do, but talking about what to do. And that's the most basic of earning some interest in a savings account and get invested 
through technology, an app, an online account to get them involved in the stock market. That's how you pique their interest about finance. Now, if you have a, a summer job or just a job you work at uh, two or three days out of the week uh, when you're not in school, uh, what is an ideal percentage of the you know the money you bring in uh, that you should you know sock away in one of these savings accounts? Well, we break it down between needs and wants, but for both of our boys, Connor and Gavin, here's what we have done. We had them complete their W-4s, understand taxes in that summer job, and then we required both of them to have a savings account and asked each of them to have an investing account. And our math for the boys was that 20 cents of every dollar you earn has to go into your savings and investing account. And what we encourage them to do was split it 50-50, 10% into each. So I think 20% off the top is that number for that high schooler or college kid with summer work. Now, you're a financial planner. They have been around finance their entire lives, probably. They're very comfortable with the idea. But uh, what if you have a kid or or someone who, uh, you know, the, the idea of saving is not a whole lot of fun because uh, the stuff that you're saving, someone else is spending on something cool. No, that's just it. And that's why we get into this conversation of needs and wants. And at the end of the day, I break it down to a couple talking points, Rob. You want to get your teens successful with money, then again, go back to creating resounding enthusiasm. Encourage them to get that job. Encourage them to do a little bit of the responsible thing, which is the savings. But make sure once they have employment income that we don't judge how they splurge that's summer money. If they want to spend it on apps, they want to spend it on games, they want to invest in crypto, whatever they want to do, it's their money. Let them spend it. And I think when they start taking more control, which means ownership of their finances, it's only going to breed good things in the future. And by and large, we have to understand that technology is the key for these Zoomers, not boomers. I called them Zoomers, Gen Z, because they don't even use cash. Everything is digital payments. So we as parents have to have a different skill set when we talk about managing month-to-month finances with our teenagers. And it's very it's 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 crazy to say this, but we're talking about people with birth dates that begin with twenty, and uh, now now they're in the uh, the late high school, uh, early college years. Thanks for joining us, Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group, based in Inverness and in Downers Grove. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want there's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the odyssey app baseball is back and so is mlb.tv watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere anytime all season long follow the action live or on demand track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights plus original programs minor league broadcasts and local pre and post game shows Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.